Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday. Thursday night. We only do Thursdays now, so I know I I know I'm getting the day right. Finally, yeah. I do these. Well, we only do them on Thursday. Uh, we have been gone for a couple weeks. I've been traveling like crazy for people that don't know. And in fact, I'm leaving again at four o'clock in the morning tomorrow. I'll be in a lift ride all the way to Syracuse, New York. And then uh, I'll be there all day tomorrow. And then I'll be at the South Carolina State Convention Saturday. And uh, we're doing a really cool thing. Check Professors moderators. That's going to be wild. Very excited about that. South Carolina is traditionally not a Joshua Smith state. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to go and see if we can turn any elegance our way, man. I'd be very happy about it. Lots of stuff going on today in the news and all over the world. Of course, we had the Republican debates yesterday. Uh, Ohio votes for a constitutional amendment that allows abortion forever. War, impending World War Three. of course, we're going to talk about that. Because I, you know, it's the most important topic in the world right now. It's the Bitcoin, I think. It's going to be quite, quite, a, quite a show, guys. Of course, we've got a great guest for you tonight as well, too. But before we get too far into that... Guys, go check out toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get all kinds of great backpacks, hats, hoodies, uh, posters, pillows. We even have a custom Break the Cycle pillow that you can throw on your couch if you'd like. You can get all kinds of cool Break the Cycle stuff there and many other uh, great shows and great people, Scott Horton stuff and lots of fun. Get a 10% discount by using ETC at checkout. Um, or you can join the Patreon, subscribe, start, become a member of the YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server and get up to 30% off of Top Lops' new gear before it goes to the general public like two weeks ago. Definitely worth it. Worth a try if you guys want to. Don't hate on you. Well, let's check in with my wonderful co Oh, Ryan had a baby. Yes. Ryan had a baby, so we will not have Ryan on the show. He said he would he would come in digitally if... if Man, they that's quite the work ethic he has yeah he's got a great work ethic this guy the guy loved the show he yeah. loves doing it yep. sure. um but it was like it was like uh they just left the hospital like yeah just spend the time Go with your, spend time spend with the time with your son it's okay there's gonna be plenty of shows but we'll check in with my my wonderful curly uh mustached co-host mr a how are you doing tonight i'm doing fantastic unvaxxed uncensored right by balloon freeze Chinese right. spy balloon free. Yep. Got that uh got that unvaxxed sperm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's a dating app now. I know. I saw there's that. a dating app, yeah. My, my my wife's like my wife's like, hmm, maybe we can make some extra money, you know? I'm like, nope, <laughs> not doing it. I got enough kids already. Thanks. I'm all uh, set. I appreciate it. Um uh, we do have one baby coming any minute, literally. I think that Julie um she's having a lot of uh, actions already. Less than a month away. From oh boy. I'm hoping that it doesn't happen like at three o'clock in the morning when I'm getting up to go to. I won't be. We're hoping that it happens <laughs> Monday when I I get back Sunday, hoping that the baby comes on Monday. All right. Then I take the week off, and then I can still make it to Maine the next week because we're supposed to be in Maine. Chill, chill, baby. Take a nap. Yeah, chill, baby. Just relax. It's a big, big baby. About to pop. <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, we have a great, great guest for you. Today. One of my favorites. It's probably the third or fourth time he's been on the show. He doesn't really need an introduction, but he is a past vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Of course, uh, a several-time gov- gubernatorial candidate for New York, and the one of the greatest 
one of the very greatest messengers this party has ever seen, Mr. Larry Sharp, sir. How are you doing? How are you, sir? What's going on? Oh, you know, how you been, man? What have you been up to? Busting my rump trying to get stuff done, but it is not easy. I keep trying, but uh, e either I'm stupid or I'm crazy, one or the other, but I just keep going. I should probably stop already. I don't, stop. I don't know anybody that would um, accuse Mr. Larry Sharp of being stupid, so we'll go with crazy, and that's okay. You're we'll go with York. crazy. You're from New York. You can't, I mean, it's gotta, you got to be a little crazy to, to continue to live in New York. You're right. AOC is literally my um, is my congressperson. That's your congressperson. So, <laughs> oh boy. Yes. Yes. Rough. Man. Yes. Rough. At least she's... all all, all that... three of the people represent me at the city level, state level, and federal level are all active members of the Democratic Socialists of America. Hey, I will say this yes. though: we're on the precipice of world. There's no doubt about it. No, I, I keep talking about it on the show. Um, you know, we, we're looking at this impending boots, American boots on the ground in Palestine, which is 100% what the West wants. Because here's, and I've, I've said it several times, the West wants this because they want a war with Iran. And they know putting American boots on the ground in Palestine finally pushed the Middle East, it, it, it Hezbollah, in, in Lebanon, and, and all these people to come and fight America. And that will, it 100% include Iran and their air superiority. They have great air superiority. And so, like, it'll be a, a huge war. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about. We've been poking Russia, right, with this Ukraine-Russian thing, sending money and tanks and arms to Ukraine. But we're pushing, we've been pushing Iran into the arms of Russia for years. They used to hate each other, right? And we've been pushing Russia into the arms of China, who's also mad at us because we have the uh, dementia-in-chief who decided to, for the first time since Nixon, say, we will go to war with you over Taiwan, which is just a tripwire. We can totally make chips here. We can make those here. Um, and so we're talking about Iran, all of the Middle East, Russia, and China, at a minimum. At a minimum. That's a world war, my man. There's no doubt about it. What do you think, Larry? Um, I think as long as we can keep making bombs, let other people die with our bombs, we're going to do that. We're going to go out of our way to see if we can get other people to die from our bombs to the best of our ability. If that means we have to lose some Marines or some soldiers or sailors, we will do that. I think you're right. But I, I think the odds of us getting into a physical hot war with troops on the ground, I think right now are slim. I think we're still too burned from Afghanistan. Generally speaking, once America is done with its big war, it takes some time before we get back in. Like we do a little war. Like after Vietnam, we did like Grenada and Panama. Right. We kind of eased our way back into big war. We've been in big war now for a while with Iraq and Afghanistan. I think we need to, like, tip our way back in a little bit before we go into a big war. So my gut would say we've got at least five or ten years before we're actively boots on the ground fighting. But in between, we're going to send all our bombs everywhere to the best of our ability. Yeah, the military industrial complex, that's, that's get paid. You know, I mean, they got to get Absolutely. paid. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh, yes. What, what would they do without, without their uh, we're bombing you money? Oh, I don't right. have to get a real job, probably. That would suck. Yeah. And you also have to have a reason to keep going into debt. You can't just say, I'm greedy, give me more money. You can't just say that. I mean, that's what it is. But you can't say that. You have to say, no, it's to protect these people that are now our BFFs that we just made up right now. Then those people, without them, they care about democracy or whatever they're going to tell us. And then now we can go ahead and get more debt and make more money. So you do have to have an excuse and, and war is the best excuse. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, 
it's it's crazy because I've been doing this campaign now for president. I don't know if anybody aware, but I'm actually. And I, I did know that. Yeah, I was I, aware. Really? Yeah, and I hear that I keep yes. winning all these polls and stuff. And the, but they, they, there's some other front runner that I I guess that's better than me. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is fine, I guess. You know, no big deal. But um, people people keep bringing up these wars, right? This impending World War Three and the stuff going on in, in Iran and, and uh, Palestine. Russia, China, um, and I keep coming back to the same thing. It's like, hey, man, you know, if we didn't have a Federal Reserve in a sense, it starved this. They wouldn't have money for war. Military industrial complex all go bankrupt because no one wants to fund. Um, and then I just did a show on on simply Bitcoin and flat because I Larry knows this because Larry's been following me since bear run in 2017. In fact, Larry Larry did my it's true. And uh, 2018, he knows. Like I, they had already written an article about me in Bitcoin.com back in. I've been trying this whole time to merge the Bitcoin movement. Now, now I say the Bitcoin movement. Back then, it was the crypto movement. Now I understand that Bitcoin right. is the only right. right? right. Um, I've been trying to merge these movements: the Libertarian Party and the Bitcoin movement, axes, because. There isn't another political party in the country that cares about those issues. Hundred percent true. Yeah, and so true. and so to get on to get on a you know this simply Bitcoin, and then I had a big huge three hour Bitcoin space with the Bitcoin community, which was wild that I was able to hold my own for three hours about Bitcoin because I'm not I'm not like a specialist. At, I am a Bitcoin maxi. I'm a Bitcoiner, and I believe that it is the one true way to set it yourself up on a framework that when the Federal Reserve crashes, you won't feel the blood have it invested um so i'm a big fan of bitcoin i think it um, i think it equals a uh, financial freedom and freedom fr from this, the constant forever war starving the state and important stuff um so i think i'm finally starting to do that uh after six years of working my ass off to try and get that done so that's pretty cool um larry what's going on in new york man what do you what do you what are you up to these days in new york is there is there anything that you've been just like uh grinding your gears about out there it's the same as always. It's ballot access, man. That's the whole issue. No matter what, it's ballot access and people. One of the saddest parts about running in any third party, Libertarian obviously is, is the biggest one, is that people just don't get it. They complain, complain, complain. And then when I say, well, how about this? They go, well, but I'm scared. Yeah. Like I was, I was on a show just recently and it should come out on, on Friday evening. And one of the people that was like, yes, but you're disrupting the system. And I said, yeah, because this system sucks. So it's bad. I don't care who the person who breaks it. It's a garbage system. Status quo is garbage. And she's like, but all these young people, they want to they wanna vote for, you know, third parties because the system is screwing them. They don't have any value in their, in, in, in their money. They, don't, they can't buy a home. They can't buy a car. They can't do anything. So the system sucks. And she's sitting there going, but but we might lose democracy. They don't have a democracy now. Things might be bad. Things are bad now. This, this dystopian future you speak of is today for most people in America. Now, of course, some people are privileged. By the way, the people who are the most privileged will always say you are privileged. So, so they're most privileged. So of course the status quo is great for them. If I'm sitting here making tons of money, if I'm sitting here and the and the and the mainstream media is just giving me tons of money, I wouldn't want to change anything either. I'd be like, Biden's my guy. He's my new BFF at that point. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And and, and things are bad. 
I mean, things are mm-hmm. really, really, really bad. And I keep. Uh, no, and, Bidenomics has solved everything, Josh. Don't you watch <laughs> CNN? I God. Keep, every, everybody keeps telling me that my mic is cutting out. I it's uh my limiter is all messed up. I got to get it fixed. I, I keep forgetting to do that. So if I talk directly into the mic now, it's. Hello, hello, hello. So it should, it might be loud, but it should pick up whatever I'm saying now. Just if you guys have any more issues with it, let me know. Uh, but things are bad now. And I keep getting this same conversation on shows and, and in, in speeches and Q and A's and stuff like that. People are like, why, why would anybody want to vote for a third party? You know, like this is, this is constantly the argument all the time, all the time. Yes. And it's like, it's like, why wouldn't she want to vote for a third party at this yeah. point? How much of more of this shit do you need to put up with before you finally say it's time to change? And look, we, I talked a lot about this on simply Bitcoin yesterday. It, look at South America. Okay. They got Javier <laughs> Malay. He's, he's this huge name, almost president now, uh, absolute Austrian econo- economist, wants to get rid of everything. You have um, Salvador has uh, Bitcoin as its legal, legal tender now, and they had to hit absolute, that whole con- the whole continent, South America, right? Basically had to hit rock bottom in the socialist cesspool before they were like, oh, People were right. I, you know, I'm so tired of hearing this, Josh. You know, so it's, that's not real socialism. <laughs> yeah, real socialism has never been tried. Real, yeah. That's correct. That's the issue. God, don't you know anything? Yeah. You do not listen to the left enough, Josh. What's your problem? Yeah, I try not to listen to the left as much as possible these days. I and so, but that's what it is. It's like they hit absolute rock bottom. They were they were standing in bread lines with bags of cash, six hundred dollars to buy a loaf of bread, twelve hundred dollars to buy a pound of meat, and they were like, oh. It really is bad, isn't it? And it's like, I keep trying to tell people we're on our way there, man. And it's not just like, it's not just like we're on our way there. It's like, if you're 40 today, you're not retiring. Your retirement's gone. It's gone. There will be no social security for you. And, and your private retirement is probably going to be failed by that point as well. Um, you, you can't buy a house. If you're 40 right now and you're trying to scrape by to buy a house, you're good luck. Your, your, uh, mortgage is going to be like $4,000 a month. It's insane. Yeah, we're, 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 we're cre- we are creating, and this is the, the thing that I try to bring up, which is what libertarians often speak about, but I try to say it in a, in a nicer way, which is I want to get people into an ownership mindset. Right. And I often bring up poor neighborhoods when I talk about this, right? When I was growing up in, in the Bronx as a kid in the 70s, right, most of the local stores were owned by local people, right? An example I was give is there was a place, a pizza shop, um, on Huntley First Street, that was was called Joe's Pizza. It was owned literally by a guy from Italy. His name was Joe. When he retired, he gave it to his daughter, Paula. It became Paula's Pizza. Now it's a subway, so which is owned by a guy who lives in Connecticut. Of course. So the, the, the whole idea of ownership has gone away, right? People rent everything. It's just how much money can they get. And I'm trying to, which what we're talking about, as you know, is property rights. Right. But I don't want to say property rights. When I use the phrase property, I people think, oh, you rich people own lots of property. That's what they think. So I don't say that. I say ownership mindset, owning your own home, owning your car, owning your life, owning things in your life, giving you control of your own life. People love that. So that's why I talk a lot about ownership mindset, particularly in poor neighborhoods, because then they go, yeah, you know, it would be better. This, is, this was actually iconic. During the uh, BLM riots, when they got mad at this one woman, they're like, look what you're doing. You're destroying your own neighborhood. She yelled something, which was actually true. She said, 
we don't own any of this. And I was like, you know what? She's right. I got to give her that. She's right. Yeah. It was like, he's right. It was for the most part, they were ruining like targets and Starbucks and stuff. And it's like, like, we don't own this. Yeah. Like, well, I'm still against you destroying business. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's still wrong in what she did. I'm just saying that thing that she said, that, that part was correct. That's what I'm saying. And you see a lot more of this in places like New York or like where I'm from in California in the Bay area, where when I was a kid, like everything in San Francisco even was like mom and pop like locally right. owned everything. Like you walk down hate Ashbury, right? Like the hippie movement capital. Right. And like every little store there was like an amoeba records. There's two of them. They mm. were both in the Bay area. It was, you know, even the Ben and Jerry's there. Of course, the guys who own that were in on the other side of the country when they started it, but they live in San Francisco now. Right. And it was like the second one ever. Right. They came from Vermont or something. It was like the whole place. There was like one McDonald's in San Francisco, the whole city of San Francisco. Right. Now you walk down the street and McDonald's is the only thing that's still open. Everything's gone. I mean, shit, the last uh, the last Walgreens in San Francisco just shut down for crying out loud. And it's and it's not just the violence. And and that's the thing was like it's like a lot of people keep saying, oh, it's because it's so bad there. No, it's because no one can afford it anymore. True. That's the truth of the matter. That's the real The real problem is no one can afford it. You can't live in San Francisco proper unless you make $1.5 million a year, dude. Like, you can't live there. You can't live in this city. There is, the city. A, there is a thing now that the, the, the realtors are now doing here in New York City, which is now they actually advertise the rent at half of the rent because they assume you're going to have a um uh, a roommate like that's the assumption so if yeah. the rent's four thousand bucks <laughs> yes if the rent's four thousand bucks a month they say two thousand bucks a month and they go oh great let me go check it out yeah well, that's with your roommate and like how do you know i was in a roommate because you have to you need one you yeah. literally can't survive without one we, otherwise we, you're not renting that's so crazy to me because i live in iowa right and and the cool thing about iowa is there is a lot of mom and pop spots here even in the yeah. city mm-hmm. like yeah. even downtown in the middle of, of des moines oh, yeah. there's still tons of like locally owned shops it's like what san francisco was like when i was a kid much smaller yep. albeit a lot less people but it's like still affordable to open a business here you know and yeah, that's right. And that's really what's killing the middle class. Like you can't op- you can't start a business in America because you can't afford to, especially not on the coast. Yes. And it's destroying the middle class. And and we're you know when the 100%. middle class people don't understand when the middle class is gone, your country's done. It's it. It's over. These are the people well, that keep your country running. This is what people running. don't get. You bring up a you bring up a very valid point. Now I'm going to go two parts of what you just said. Well, three because I want to make up I want to make up Iowa fast. But side note, I love Iowa. Um, I think it's a great place. And by the way, I happen to be a honorary lifetime member of the Iowa Libertarian Party. I'm pretty so sure I'm so pretty sure I pinned you for that when I was the keynote there we go. speaker so, here. Yes. So yeah. So yes, so I am I am so for your viewers I, that's how much I like Iowa. I'm actually a lifetime member. But the other two points you bring up. Not only does entrepreneurship destroy the wealth of the middle class, but it destroys all the new people coming in and all the people in the, in in the in the working class from being able to make the next step. So now, this, some people don't know this. It used to be that the most prosperous immigrant group in America were Chinese. And most of them were Chinese who came from China with lots of money. Now it's Nigerians. And why? They come from Nigeria with lots of money. Because they were they all very here. rich princes that nobody came and picked up their money. Right. And so they. That's the they problem. They, 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 they made it through internet. No, through, no, through nobody's, nobody's claiming, nobody's claiming the that's, email money that they're owed. That's the issue. Yeah, they're all princes. It's true. So. so but they all come in because they have lots of money so they can buy businesses. And they look down upon the working class who's here and go, why can't you guys do this? Why can't you do this? 
Well, because one, they don't have ownership mindset. The people here have been kept, the working class have been supported by the state or big business or government business now for decades, now for generations. They don't have the mindset of doing that. I remember when I used to sell cars. Yes, I used to sell cars. And when I used to sell cars, I'm I could shocked, tell. Larry. I'm very shocked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but whether someone was working class or not, because if they were, particularly if their family had been working class for many years or working poor even, they didn't care how much the car cost. They didn't care what the interest rate was. They didn't care whether it was a lease or whether it was a buy. They cared about one thing only, and that was what was the monthly note. That's it. I can only do this amount. What is the coolest car I can get for this amount? I don't care how. how I don't care if I own it afterwards. I don't care anything. What can I do? So that And when I first started doing it, I felt bad. So I would try to explain the contract. And I said, Let me explain the contract. And they would shoot me like, stop. Stop. I don't want to know. And I'm like, I'm trying to help you. So I stopped even trying. They did not want to hear it. Yeah, that's so a it's that a high time high, is, high time preference is what that is. It's a, there's no yes. they're, yeah they're not looking they're not looking at the long term future. They're looking for the the, the short quick reward. Yep. Say less. And that's the point I want to bring up with with the the ownership idea you have the entrepreneurship and ownership. Now the the working class can't get out of working class. And as you know, most working class parents have thrown their kids into college, hoping that they would get good college degrees and then go become professionals and lawyers and doctors and such. And now we've destroyed that because we destroyed a dollar. We've made the uh, college so expensive, they're all in debt. So they're failing too. So they can't even come back home now to start a business. Everybody's failing. This is a, a destruction of middle class. And the last piece, I know I, I went on for a while. The most important piece here is, if you want a real revolution, and I don't necessarily mean aggressive, but, I'm, but maybe, but anyway, any kind of revolution, you have to have a strong middle class. Our revolution was the middle-class entrepreneurship. In South Africa, how they overthrew apartheid wasn't because America had sanctions. It was because of a black middle class. That is what actually got Africa out of apartheid, South Africa out of apartheid. It's what got us, our country. You have to have a solid middle class. Those are the people who go, I have something to lose, and I still remember my working class roots because I brought family and friends in it, so I can still motivate the working class to get up to with me, and we can take over. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think when you say middle class or like working class or working poor, right? And 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 look, here's the thing, like the left gets this right. This is something they get right. They have a class consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, like you're right. Their, their class analysis is wrong, entirely wrong, right? And they 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 have this they have this view that the the classes are the rich and the poor, right? And like right. really it's the it's the the a regime, the elite and all of the rest of us. That's the classes, 100%. right? At, at the end of the day, that's really, truly the classes. And I'm not talking about the rich people. We're not talking about the guy that makes that has his own uh, uh, you know, deck business down the street that makes a million dollars a year. We're talking about the institutional elite, right? The institutional regime. These people that are... Like that hate us. They really hate us. They want us desperate and destitute and broke because they profit off that. BlackRock. Well, I'll go one step further. There's a difference kind of between like rich and wealthy, right? If you're rich, that kind of means like you make a lot of money, right? And I would tell people about this when they'd say, well, these people are like, I do a lot of coaching and a lot of training of people who are relatively wealthy or sometimes very wealthy. Or or you trained me in politics uh, in 2017 and 2018, and I wasn't any of those things, Larry. (laughs) I, I do all of them. Yes. Yes. True. But I do the wealthy so that I can be able to give stuff away also. So yes. But some people I talk to, they say, well, how much money does this guy make? I say, he doesn't make money. 
he has money, right? He doesn't have to work, right? right. He doesn't do, th- he doesn't have a salary. He doesn't do, th- I mean, he does because he has to, but his money is because he has so much money that it just makes money, right? I explained to, the, to somebody once, I said, do you know what a family office is? And the guy was like, no, what do you mean? Family office is a family or a person has so much money, they can't manage it. So they hire people to manage their money. That's called a family office. I have so much money, I have to have people who say where my money goes and how it goes and what it does. Those people hate us. That's the real class versus the rest. Yeah, no, I agree fully. And and, and I don't think people understand this like enough, you know, like they, they don't just hate us, dude. They want us as close to death on a daily basis as possible. Um, but with, yeah, a lot of people don't understand. I was, getting back to what I was going to talk about before I got into the clash consciousness and how the left is right, but they're wrong about the analysis is like this country, like the, the founders of this country were, were blue class, working class and working poor people. Like and 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 the, the the colonies, the settlers, the people that settled the the thirteen colonies were working class. Like they weren't rich. They didn't come over here rich from Europe. They were like broke and destitute in England and didn't have any money. And that's why they left. And that's why they came here and started their own thing. And then all it took was the crown to say, "We're gonna tax you a little extra on this tea here," and they started stacking bodies like almost right away. Really quickly. I mean, it happened really fast. And they won. They beat the greatest empire on earth. 13 small colonies in America. A bunch of farmers and and sharecroppers and and woodsmen. They beat the greatest uh, greatest empire on earth and got us our country. And now we have a government in place that at, at will takes away your rights, takes more money from you does all these terrible things, locks you in jail for victimless crimes, uh, puts you in jail for speaking at the, at the Capitol. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy that, that America, where America has been led to. And getting back to this third-party thing, every big change in political climate in the United States came from a new party. It always came from a new party. It's never come from the parties that were in power for decades. It's always been, you know, the Whigs or the Republicans when they first came around or, you know what I mean? That's the only time things have ever changed for real. And so like, how much longer does this reality that we live in today have to go on before you go, well, you know, the interest rates are are 32% now and I can't afford a loaf of bread and me and my kids are living in a tent. Um, How much longer? How much longer are we going to keep voting for these same people? It doesn't make any sense to me. It makes zero well, sense uh, to me. Let me cover a couple of those. I think the first thing you said about what we've become, as I, as you've heard me say in one of my little speeches I do, we have become our father, right? America has become the British Empire, which was our father, right? We left we left the British Empire being like, you know, I'm not going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be <laughs> like, I'm going to be all about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I'm not going to be about the empire. I'm different. And then... Fast forward 200 years, we are, our father fought in Afghanistan, so do we. Our father fought in the Middle East, so do we. Our father had an empire, mm-hmm. Our father had the largest navy, mm-hmm. Our father, we have become our father in every single way. We are now the new British Empire. So yes to what you're saying. I hope that was a cool story, but yeah, we exactly became our dad, and we should be embarrassed that we became our father. Yeah, absolutely. What's, where's true. that rebellious wow. spirit, man? Gone. What happened? Gone. Not around, man. Let me be very clear on this. The most shocking thing to me 
was how fast New Yorkers accepted lockdowns. Yeah. It was a time when if you were lived in New York City, you were by default a rebel. Like you were the guy who would, you know, yell at the cops because, right? Like that's who we, we, we I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, our gangbangers used to wear their colors out in front. Like you knew what gang they were a member of because they told you. Right. Like that's what it was. That was New York was rebellious completely. We had, I mean, it was terrible. Remember the movie from the 70s, The, the Warriors? Of course. Like that's yeah. how rebellious that New Yorkers were. We oh, had become just horrible sheep. It was terrible. And I think that's across our country. Most people relatively have become sheep compared to what we were. I don't know what that spirit is. I think they beat it out of us, man. I don't know. It's just, it's gone. Larry, I thought you missed a Gangs in New York, New York reference right there. Yeah, man. it was a good Gangs in New York. That's oh, what I thought you were going to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, boys, that, the Dead Rabbits. That one, too. Of course. Yes. I, and, I'm, and again, I'm not saying that we should be violent. I'm not saying that. But I am saying there are, if you don't want to be violent, which I do not, I do not want to be violent. But MLK and Gandhi, they showed us ways of not being violent too. I, I'm okay with those two. Whatever you want to do, right? You can rebel in whatever way you want to rebel. But we don't do any of it. Nothing. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a much bigger fan of Malcolm X than I was of MLK. But hey, I am too. I agree with you. But I'm saying if people want to choose that route. I'm fine. Just rebel. I don't care how you rebel. Yeah. And, you. and it's the same for us, too. I mean, you got to think about San Francisco was the hippie. I mean, that was the hippie movement, right? These were the guys who were like, right. we're not going to go along with your police state, like conservative crap. Right. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yes, please lock us down. Please make us get a vaccine. Make, make us do all these yes. things. Oh, yes. And make my make everybody, you know, let's let's censor all the speech. And and, you know, it's like it's really crazy it's to quite me. the flip. It is quite the flip. And in yes. L.A., too, don't get me started on L.A. I grew up five and a half hours away from L.A., too, right? And, like, been to L.A. a bunch. And you want to talk about gangbanging, man. We were the gangbanging cat. We started gangbanging. We're the once, right? And, like, and, and they were so, I mean, listen, a rap group from Compton put out an album called Fuck the Police, okay? I remember. <laughs> yeah. Like, legitimately put that out. And what happened? What ha I'm sure Dr. Dre was telling people to lock down and take their vaccines, dude. I'm sure. Because he's like big time <laughs> corporate now. Uh, well, I, Ice Cube did. Ice Cube did not. Ice exactly. I was just about to True. say that. Ice Cube True. did not. Did Ice not. Cube Ice Cube told everyone to eat his ass, dude, for sure. Absolutely. I'm very proud of him for yes. that. Um, and, that's why, and that's why he's still a real he's still a real gangster. And he'll tell you he's one of the OGs. He's still a real gangster. Um, I, I still am a big fan of Ice Cube. Always have been. Wicked was his best album. I just yeah, love it. I've I've been a I I've been a fan of of them. I mean, since NWA, of course. Uh, I really liked the West Side Connection group that he was in for a, long, a while when I was really? younger. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of West Side Connection, dude. I loved it. Uh, but I'm also from I'm more, I'm from the West Side, man. You know what I mean? I'm sure. Uh, you were, okay. All right. Know? So that's your people. Okay. Yeah, those that's are my people. people. Anybody, okay. anything called West right. anything is always cool in hip hop when I was a kid. Because <laughs> uh, we, you know, I, I bought into the the Tupac Biggie West West Coast East Coast thing when I was a kid. Uh, of course, I I actually like a lot of people are like, you like rap and hip hop? I'm like, yeah, man, I grew up in the Bay Area. Like, like we had some of the greatest rappers in all time. They all made their money off white kids. Oh, of course, dude. Of course. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We all wanted to be. I was one of them. Yeah, we all wanted to be gangsters and rappers. And you know what I mean? A lot of my friends did. I had a really good white friend named Woody who became a famous rapper where I'm from. Of course, he was a he was a Norteño, like a Mexican gangbanger, but he was a white kid with red hair. And uh, mm. he died. He died several years ago. Recipes, but he put my city on the map of Antioch. I mean, he put it on the map. He was a big, big uh, rapper. So, um, 
So guys, uh, abortion is now built into the Constitution of the state of Ohio. Wild. So uh, it's further proof that the state of Ohio does not actually exist. Um, but no, this is crazy to me. So I'm, I'm obviously like uh, vehemently and unapologetically pro-life. And I believe that um, to, to, and it, this isn't just because I have kids, but it did help when I am able to look my children in the eye and go, I could have never harmed this person, right? Like this is the most beautiful little angel in the world. How could you ever harm this person? But the, but the truth of, of, the, of the matter is, is there is a split in libertarians when it comes to abortion. There's a split. True. And I disagree vehemently with the, the part of the party that says that it's libertarian to allow these things to happen. And, and, I, and I wanna explain it to people because I get a lot of guff for this on Twitter. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we can't protect the most vulnerable life in the world, which is the, the pre-born, unborn, then we're not actually protecting life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In fact, we're cutting off life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for the most vulnerable among us, our, pre, our unborn, pre-born children. Um, and so, you know, when people come at me and they're like, oh, your, your stance is too extreme. First of all, the, as, as somebody running for president, that issue is out of my hands now. It is. The Supreme Court kicked it back to the states. They overturned Roe versus Wade. It's now up to the states. And you are seeing what happens when it gets left up to the states. Now the state of Ohio has voted in into their constitution the right to terminate a baby, which is crazy to me. And it's, by the way, it's all the way up to birth. Excuse me? Yes. It's New all York the way up to birth. The same. This, is, this is not great. New York is the same thing. This, same thing. Oh, that's right. And the, the, the issue here that. is this is old. This is old news for new yorkers sure. no big deal look this is i'm i'm very practical on this and it makes some people unhappy but i don't care this is a battle we cannot win you cannot that that ship has sailed the country is pro pro choice and i warned my pro life friends i said you do not want roe v wade overturned it is a terrible idea and like no it's going to change yes it's going to make things worse i and i'm on record saying this that as soon as it happens you're going to watch the left turn anyone who is pro life into anti-woman and that's exactly what's happened ah, i knew yeah. it was going to happen and exactly what they did and it took and i also said you're now going to have states codify abortion on demand everywhere and they're like no it's not going to happen you're going to see i'm like nope that is going to happen and it did and it's already least, happening it's least, not going to stop at least five states have codified it not even going to stop this this is a battle that cannot be won and that's why i don't fight it it's unwinnable and that I, people get mad you got to stand your principle Ask the Republicans how that worked for them election day. They got their ass kicked. Why? Because the Democratic Party is becoming more and more the party of educated women. That's who's becoming the party of educated women. All the educated women are becoming Democratic. That's what's happening. I mean, huge chunks are and as fast as possible. And when you say we are you, you Republicans are anti-woman, women aren't going to vote for you. Bill Maher said it right. Bill Maher, again, is I'm very smart. He's. When one of his people was going to hit Bill Maher, he, the, she was a Democrat. She's like, why are all these dumb Republicans voting against their rights and blah, blah, blah? She said that. He said, because they hate you. <laughs> they just they hate you. That's why. Yeah. And what's happening, he's right. A lot of women hate Republicans. Sure. You see it literally in their dating apps. No Trumpsters, no Republicans. They hate Republicans. I see it here in New York. If I'm talking to a woman, I, they, if I if, they, if I'm not a Democrat, I gotta say Libertarian. If I say Republican, they would slap me. I'm not a Republican anyway, but they would slap me. Like they hate Republicans, so they're not gonna vote Republican no matter what. If you say you're pro-life, they don't want to talk to you because what they hear is 
anti-women. You hate you're Andrew Tate and you hate women. That's what they hear. And this and I think you're right what you're saying. I just think to myself, it's a lost cause. I wouldn't even bother bringing it up anymore. Try try to do. And I'm not a Nikki Haley fan, but I think she's right. What she says. She's like, try to find something that's going to be good enough. That isn't at least till the till nine months. Let's try to find something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Larry. There's nothing that Nikki Haley's right about ever in the history of the world. (laughs) Also, I was uh, I just want to make it clear. I was anti-woman before it was cool. (laughs) There we go. Okay, so at least you're you're on brand. You're on brand. I'm just kidding. I'm not anti-woman at all. I'm pro. I'm very pro-woman. Like more pro woman than the the fem the the feminist men at at your college campus. So I'm gonna I'll I'll have the counterbalance here. So I'm I'm a pro-choice libertarian. Okay, Um, I don't want to see a mom put in prison for breaking the law. Agreed. Okay, for doing that. Agreed. Um, Josh has said before doctors that you would put the doctors in jail. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, it made me think about. I'm like, okay, well, okay, let me think about that. But I I I just don't want any. I don't want the government to be involved at all in a mom's choice of of what to do with her baby. And I want there to be incentives for her to put that baby up for adoption and go through the, with 100%. the pregnancy. I don't think there's incentives for a woman to do that. I think there's an incentive for a woman to have an abortion. Yeah, the incentives are all So abortion. that's what I think is, is going on I have to go here. one step further, my friend. They're actually, in New York State, what I was fighting for in New York State, because, again, I'm never going to change the abortion laws in New York State, was to make it easier to adopt, which is hard in New York State, and against surrogacies against the law in New York State. So not only there no incentives, they literally stop you. So yeah, now I'm, a pre- I'm pregnant, and some family goes, hey, I'll take you, baby. I will pay for your health care. I will even give you a monthly stipend. You don't have to work. I will do it. Go. We'll take you to. The, we'll, we'll drive you to the checkup. We'll do it. You know how many families would happily do that? Yeah, like, yeah. eagerly do that. And it's against the law in New York State. You can't do it. I love you know what I so love. I'm going further. I think that's the I I just me personally I think that's the libertarian position is we need to we need to push incentives for women to go through with the pregnancy and and uh, have the baby adopted. I adopt it's it's yep. it's hard to do. It's uh paper it's two years of paperwork. It's what like yep. $50,000. It's expensive. So there's a there's a bar to entry to adopt yes. a kid and I think that bar needs to be lowered. Now obviously you want the kid going with a good family. I understand that. There, I don't understand. I understand what their standards there, but I think that needs to be incentivized more. No, I disagree completely. No. Oh, really? I'm the good family, just a decent one, just not not evil. That's not it. a bad one. Okay. Because here's here here is the distinction, though. Right? Every kid who goes into the system, whatever system that is, the odds of them coming out happy and healthy go down compared to them being with the family. Period. Now, are you going to have bad families? Yes, but our current system, you put them into the into the foster care system. And do, oh, my God, it's a disaster. Yeah. Most of the kids are going to be in trouble. Take, I would take a family that at least is just a decent family. Take them. The odds are higher than them putting them in a system. I, I, I love I your point. My favorite part about this whole thing is when people are like, oh, you're pro-life. What are you going to do for the kids no one wants? And I'm like, I've adopted personally twice. Yeah. Yep. Now, what do you got to say about your, what? you know, like, I here's the thing. And I agree with Larry. I don't think it needs to be some, like, great family, right? Like, nope. like yeah. Most kids have an absolute blast in their childhood on a lower middle class salary family. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like. 
like but that's the, the problem is that those people are, are actually the ones that are barred out from adoption. I know. Let me tell you something. Yes. As someone who's going through the adoption process and had to go through the court and legal proceedings just to even get uh, the guardianship, it, you know, those three years ago, it's impossible, impossible for people to do it without a lot of money. It's impossible. It's yeah. very, very, very hard. And and the system is purposely set up that way because, A, they want to make money off you, right? Mm -hmm. But, yep. B, they want to make it hard for people to adopt so that they have more people dependent on the on state. Yep. That's the truth. That's, yeah. you know, the, 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 the federal government pays states for every kid they put into the system. So it's a money-making thing for them that exactly. the state makes money when they put kids into the system. When you get into the family law and child law, Stuff, dude. Oh. It's really bad, oh. and 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 you know I oh, I've boy. made I've made this uh, Title Forty of the Social Security Act such a central point of my presidential campaign for that reason, because the federal government is subsidizing the state to separate families. Yep. They've been subsidizing the state since 1975 to separate mm -hmm. families, and look at the statistics, the undeniable statistics since 1975 when it comes to uh, youth crime and violence, youth runaways, yep. school dropouts, uh, separated families. I mean, it's undeniable that Title 40 of the Social Security Act has incentivized this stuff, and even worse, because we incentivize the state, the state now incentivizes the mom yeah. to separate families yep. it, through no-fault divorce and other things, right? Um, and on top of all that, you have this system that makes, you know, this this barrier to entry to to take in a child. E even if you're living on a modest salary with a, a small two or three bedroom home, you can adopt a child. And there's kids out there that need to be adopted right now, today. And there's parents out there that would do it without a second thought that are being barred from entry. the most important piece we're bringing up here is if, if you look at kids, and I, I lost my father when I was very young. I was only 11 or 12 when he passed. And... Would I rather had a broke dad versus no dad? Exactly. I'll take a broke dad any yeah, day yeah. of the week. I'd have taken a broke dad happily. Yes. Broke, so broke that he could only give me like a, a slice of pizza a week. I'd have happily taken that versus having no dad. And if you got a kid I, in the system, take it. Well, I try to say that too. My, my mom was a single mom. Yep. Of course, my dad was a real piece of shit, is a real piece of shit still. Um, and I've only met him once. Uh, and I was better off without my father. There's no doubt about it. I would have been way, way worse with my father. Um, but I grew up, I grew up with a, a single mother working three jobs, busting her ass to raise two children in, in yep. the, in the ghetto, in the projects, uh, living that life. Right. And I wouldn't trade my mom for anything It's the greatest childhood ever to me. And she's my best friend now. And we had our troubles and there was troubles and there was issues. And she had days where she didn't want to keep going. You know what I mean? But she never sure. once thought about giving us up. She never mm -hmm. once. And she'll tell you, she never thought about getting an abortion. It, it never even crossed her mind. And she was more than happy to work her ass off for 20 years, 25 years to make sure that my sister and I had everything that we needed. You know, we had everything we needed. We didn't have everything we wanted. But we had everything we needed and some of the things that we wanted. And we had a great life. It was great. It was really good. And we're, we're, we're a tight-knit family. And I would have I well, gone the, to the But there's another piece, though, right? You just said something. You said your mom is still your friend. You have to still talk to your sister, right? When you give someone a family, they have a support structure. When you put someone in a system, they don't have a support structure. And everyone is going to go through problems because that's how the world works. And when you go through a problem, 
it's nice to have some support structure versus having to go back to the state every time. But to your point, Josh, they would like that to be the case. They want the support structure to be the state and not to be the family. The only, it's the only way to get people to continue. And I talk about this all the time. There is not a better weapon against the state than a strong family unit. There isn't. There is not. It is the most effective tool because when you have people to depend on, you have that support system. You don't need the government. And it's, you know, when I talk yeah. a lot about this with the communists, right? Like the, the, the actual Marxist revolutionaries, right? They knew that they had to tear the family apart. And on top of that, they had to fight and kill and destroy religion. Because when you have a church and you go to church and you have all these brothers and sisters at the church that you depend on and you have your faith, right? You have this strong, devout faith in something higher than yourself, higher than the state. The state doesn't mean doesn't doesn't make any sense to you, right? Like this right. is this is the truth, and this is the truth about religion as well. But but we'll start at the family. The strong family unit is the biggest weapon against the state because if everybody in this country had a strong family unit, no one would depend on the government. They just want to keep their money until the government to get lost. Truthfully, right. Right. that's really what it would what right. would happen. And the government knows this, so so it's not well, the government some conspiracy. now is deeply involved in all families, all of them. It is just deeply involved in every family. And that's the issue. You're totally correct. It's deeply involved in every family. And we have, we were accustomed to asking for permission from the government for everything. It's crazy. Yeah. They know this. And, and, and some people be like, oh, I love when people are like, oh, the fam, the, dude, come on, the federal government and the government is not going after families. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Because they've taken over your, your children's education. They've taken over your kids' uh, nutrition. They've taken over your kids' health care. You, you sure they're not trying to break apart families and brainwash children? You sure? This isn't a conspiracy theory. The government knows with strong family units that they don't have people to depend on them. They know that. They know that. Yes. It's not a conspiracy. And the other thing I, I want to bring up is we, it's very rare. I've been saying this for a long time. It's very rare for, in the past, not anymore, but it has been very rare in the past for government to just take rights. Usually, we eagerly give them up because we're afraid or worried, right? Recently, that's changed. But if you go back 10, 20 years, they always had a problem so that we would voluntarily go, take all our stuff, take it all. Oh, my God, they would do that. And I think now the biggest issue they dealt with kids is, believe it or not, making education a right. And people will say, well, why is it a bad thing? I think that was a critical line that was crossed. Why? It is the first time that now a right has been given to a minor. Once a right is given to a minor, that now means the government can now enforce that and take away power from the parents. And that was the beginning. And that happened in New York State. And now the state can take care of your can take your kids. Literally, the state can take your kids. Why? You know, they, what, what validates this? The, the, our New York State Constitution. In the New York State Constitution, in our Constitution, education is a right. Because it's the right, the state can take your kids. Absolutely. Once you do that, you cross the line that I don't think we can we can come back to. Right. I didn't even think about it that way. Well, we know first, we know uh, we know their government indoctrination centers and level zero. Thanks for the five dollar super chat. He said every kid could use a mom, dad, and a decent education. This isn't brainwashing and indoctrination centers over the last two three generations have led us here. He's right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. right. You, you see the issues now with 
college campuses and how bad they are in so many different ways. And people are like, well, wait a minute, how did this happen? Well, what do you expect? Right? You've been, you've been, you've been tra training them this way forever. So since you trained them, now even the, the college professors now have now gone through the system. So now even they are indoctrinated. So like everybody in the entire system is now indoctrinated. So how do you get out of it? I have only one answer. Don't go to college. Yeah. And even, yeah, that's it. Like even, even South Park saying that, even Bill Maher saying that, anyone who even has even a little bit of libertarian leanings. Now, Bill Maher's a lefty, but he at least does have, he has a streak of libertarianism still in him left. Yeah, he's, he's even he says it. He's not the don't worst. Don't go to college. He's not the worst lefty. He's like a Jimmy Dore leftist. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, yeah. When, it, yeah. when it when it comes to lefties, he he's one of the better ones. I would agree, but he's, yeah. he's still a Democrat. My son, actually, I had this conversation with my 12-year-old son tonight. I picked him up from wrestling practice. We came home. I made some burgers and fries for everybody. And um, he said, uh, he said, dad, should I go to college? <laughs> It like literally asked me that. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, well, man, you know, it depends. What do you want to do? Yep. Right. Cause yes. like, and that's the important, I think that's the important distinction. Cause if he would have been like, yes, well, I don't know. I want to have, you know, some money and a house and all that and started saying that stuff. I'd be like, man, go to trade school. Right. Yep. But yep. He, of course 100%. my, my son is very, very intent on being a professional athlete. That's what he wants to do. Right. He wants to be either a basketball player or a football player. And I said, well, he, he said, I, I said, well, you're probably not going to do those things unless you go to college. But here's the thing. Right. Unless you get a scholarship to go to college for sports, don't go. Yep. Don't go. I said, if you get a scholarship for college for sports, hell yeah, go. Because you have a chance to be a professional athlete. If you don't get a 100%. scholarship out of high school to go to college for sports, the likelihood of you making it to the professional uh, uh, athlete level is very small. Very, Absolutely. I mean, less than 10%, I'd say. Probably yeah, less than that. And so like, yep. so like then, yeah, then no, you shouldn't go to college if you're not going to get a, a, a sports athlete, uh, 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 you know, if you're, you're not going to get your, your college paid for, uh, I say for there's, sports. there's really, in my view, two reasons that you should go to college. Number one, you know, you can get into an Ivy league school, right? Like your dad went to Yale and you can get to oh, Yale. Sure, your mom yeah. went to Harvard. You can go to Harvard. Right? If you know, you can get into an Ivy league school, Go to college. The networking is awesome. Go to Ivy League. Go to Harvard. Go to Yale. That's awesome. If you can't get in there, do you have an actual plan? Like you said for your son, right? Is my plan to become an athlete? Do I want to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer? Okay, great. Go to get your licensing or whatever requirements to do that thing. I'm going to be a professor. Great. If you're like, I don't know what I want to do. Why the hell would you go to college? Right. Makes no sense whatsoever. And that's the majority of people going to college today is is correct. Just expected you are totally to correct. Go. You're they're, expected to go. Yes. They're, well, they're going. They're going. They're not just expected to go. They're going for general education. Mm -hmm. Like, why yes. would you pay all this money for a general education at college? Like, and I've said I've said the same thing. I, and I tell my kids this: You want to be a doctor? You want to be a lawyer? You want to yep. be an accountant? You want to be an engineer? Mm -hmm. You want to be any of those things? Yes, go to college. You should definitely. And I'd be I'm more sad. than happy if those are the things that you're choosing to do. Mm -hmm. I would be more than happy to help you to go to college. But if you tell me yep. that you want to be uh, a liberal arts major, you know, that uh, loan's not going to pay itself. Yeah, that loan's not going to pay itself. And daddy isn't paying that loan. And I think more parents yep. need to start speaking up about that, too. Yes. I think that's, you know, if you're a conservative parent, and your kid wants to go to college and they're like, I want to go for philosophy. No, no, sorry. It, no, you can learn philosophy on Google, buddy. Go look it up right now. I say, look, I'm with you. Go on YouTube. 
do that and go work and figure out what you like, right? right? Go work and figure out, what, and you realize, you know what? I do want to be a writer. Then just start writing. That's exactly. And when you start making money as a writer, you can now pay your way through college if there, if you require some type of credential to be a better or professional writer. Then go to that college that will get you the credential required for you to be a writer or whatever you want to be. I don't care. But go work. Go figure stuff out. Then you, it, the, the idea that college has to be for an 18, 19-year-old person is stupid. College should be for whenever a person decides that they want to go do something that requires specialized training or degree, whether that's 19 or 39 or 89. I don't care whenever that is. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with this. And, and here's the thing about writing too. Like if my kid was like, I want to be a writer, right? I'd be like, that's great. And they'd be like, I want to go to college to be a writer. I'd be like, all right, cool. Let's go sign you up for a couple of creative writing classes at DMAC. There right? we go. Yes. Right at the local community college. You take a couple of creative writing classes and yeah. get you, we'll buy you a laptop and you start writing, man. There's plenty of outlets yeah. out there that would love to have a new writer. I promise you that. 100%. And you do not need yeah. a bachelor's degree to write. You just DMAC don't. has not an amazing all. program, by the way. I did take that class. The writing class at DMAC? <laughs> yeah. The creative writing <laughs> I had but, a but then something else, right? You when I... you when you start doing the writing, you'll also know what type of writer you want to be. And if you say, no, no, I want to be a technical writer for like patents or something, sure. you'll figure that out in the three or four years that you're doing some writing. And that might require an engineering degree, in which case, great. Now get an engineering degree because you know you want to be an engineering patent writer. That's fine because you figured it out. No problem with that, but you got to figure out what you want. I agree. I agree fully, man. And and I, you know, I went to a vocational college to get my, my, my LPN, so like my nursing, nursing uh, license essentially. And I never even worked as a nurse. Not once after that. Yeah. Can you believe that? I spent, I spent 14 months at a vocational school, cost me $22,000. And I never, I never worked as a nurse. So I'll like, give you a funnier story too. I have actually taught at several colleges, uh, Baruch, um, I've taught at the graduate level of Yale and Columbia. I don't even have a master's degree. And my actual degree is in anthropology. <laughs> I taught business. Well, it's so funny to me. Nobody... I, well, I'm like a blue collar working class guy. I get up and put boots on every morning. And that's a big central part of my of my campaign for president, too, is like I've lived the plight of Americans. Like I've done the dumb things, right? Like I got the college education that I don't use. I been through the family law system. I get up every morning and raise a family. I'm tr we're trying to buy a home and the, the interest rates are killing us, right? Like, like yeah. I've been through all these things and that's why I think I, I am so good at connecting with the normal everyday people because I don't try to sit here and lecture you on economics like like from a professor standpoint. Um, but, but I'll say this, man, I, I'm a blue collar tradesman that works in critical facilities right now. I don't need a degree whatsoever. I needed like five mm -hmm. years of, of, of uh, experience doing what I do now, which you can get at a lower level. And I make more than double what the L LPNs that I graduated with are making right now. Yeah. More than double. Absolutely. More than double. Yes. And, Absolutely. And I wish I, I wish I would have, you know, and, and there's a, there's a chance that if I had stuck with it, I would have went and got my bachelor's and become a BSN and, and went to nurse anesthetist school, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a CRNA and I would have been making, you know, as much as like fourth or fifth year doctor, right? Like 220,000 or whatever. And that would have been worth it if I had stuck it out. Right. But I was like, it's not really for me. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather go, go, I'd rather go work with my hands and hurt my back and my knees for a couple more years. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and it's, it's true. I, I actually, I actually appreciate much more doing what I do now than I would have been stuck in these nursing homes. Any people do. 
you know absolutely yeah and so um, anyways who watched the republican debates last night did you get a chance to watch them larry brother i am gonna have to run okay all right, we'll get you've you... been on for like an hour. That's you okay. Have been talking my ear off. Yeah, that's a, hey, you've been talking our ear off, Larry. But before <laughs> you go, before you go, uh, we 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 gotta we gotta figure out where people can support you. But for, before you go, uh, there is a rumor going around, Larry, that uh, that Joshua Smith is telling people he's gonna get Larry Sharp to be his vice presidential candidate uh, at the at the national convention in May of next year. How I much know, truth Josh... is there to that, Larry? That Josh is saying it, 100%. It's going to happen. I'm not sure it's 100%. But yes, Josh is absolutely saying it. That part's true. Yes. Yes. But to be bold, for for anyone asking, and people have asked before, I am not going to run for president. I can't. It is too much for me. I got my ass kicked last year. Um, I got to get myself back in action. I can't do that. But am I prepared to be a vice president candidate? I'm absolutely open to it. I'm open because a vice president presidential candidate is support staff. And am I am I open to support staff? I absolutely am open to the idea. Um, but I'm not running for president and I have not committed to Joshua Smith yet, but I'm not saying I won't. I'm just saying I haven't yet. So you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance, buddy. I am literally saying there's a chance. That's what we're talking about. We're gonna we're, listen. I'm gonna see you soon. We're gonna we're gonna set up an event here in Iowa and have you fly out and and DJ, and VJ for us. But uh, but it's gonna happen, Larry. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, man. You and I, you as support. Listen, I would be perfectly happy with you at top of the ticket. I wouldn't have run for president had Larry Sharp stepped in and said, I'm running for president. There's no doubt about that. But I can tell you you. that this man has done more for me politically to help me do the things that I should be doing correctly. And I know that in a support role for my presidential campaign, there's not going to be a lot of people out there better for me than Larry. So we got to get you on the on 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 the spot, Larry. But anyways, before we go, uh, where can people find you, support you, listen to you, all those good things? Absolutely. You can check me out. Twitter, Larry Sharp. You can check me out. Facebook, Larry Sharp. And everything, Larry Sharp. YouTube, Gab, Getter, all the things. I'm Larry Sharp on all Twitter. Larry Sharp on everything. Please check me out. See what I'm doing. Watch my show. And uh, you can go to LarrySharp.com if you want to, to see all the things that I'm doing, meaning all of the uh, policies I'm coming up with. And if you want to give because you want to support ballot access for the Libertarian Party in New York State, which will be a monster, but I am running it. Um, the, the, I don't believe the LPNY is going to run, uh, run a ballot access, um, run it all. I am personally, you can go to LarrySharp.com slash ballot hyphen access. Just donate, donate what you can. I got to raise cash and got to raise bodies so that I can get ballot access for whoever is our nominee, which might be you, Josh. I could be Very, doing it for you. Could be. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Whoever, and, and, whoever and, the and, person is, I need it. And I'll say, I've been telling people I'm going to for sure be on the ballot in 49 States. I know that New York is up in the air. Believe that it's up in the air. It's going to cost what about five hundred thousand dollars, Larry? You think? I think about that, but I am bringing on other uh, people to help. I have a, all the other third parties who got kicked off of the ballot. They are starting to get behind me so that we can actually get at least one third party on the ballot. And how it works in New York State is you have to go to every two years. So if I can get the Libertarian Party on in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty four then I can help them get them on in 2026 and then 2028. And we can keep helping each other get more on what percentage, what percentage would I need as the nominee to, to keep ballot two. access just two? that's it. 2%. Oh, we 2% can do that. Does it. We can do that for sure. And that, does it. What makes us a, a, a major political party in New York? That's the last question I got for you. 2%. That's it. That's, that's it. it. We have to get, we have to get, we have to get 
40, officially 45,000 signatures, right? Which really means 60,000, which is hard, but we can do it. That's the hardest part. Once we get those signatures, then we need to get 2% and we are now a party. That's how it works in New York State. All right, how about this, Larry? If I, if, if I get the nomination and we don't get ballot access in New York State, me and you will focus some of our uh, vice president and president time on New York to get a write-in campaign going there for the for the national. No, project. no. If we no? don't get ballot access, let's go someplace else. Just somewhere else. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, whatever. What you heard what he said? If we don't get ballot access, you heard that yep. right? Okay. He knows what's up. All right, Larry. I love you to death, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Larry. Have a good one. Take it easy. Bye. All right, guys. Another awesome episode. Larry's such a cool guy, man. It's not like there's nobody like Larry. Dude, he's the only one. His energy, man. He's the only Larry. He's the only one. Love that guy. He's amazing. I, I'm a big fan. And uh, there's a good chance that we goad Larry Sharp into being the vice presidential candidate for the Josh Smith campaign. How cool would that be, dude? Because he's got that, like, he's got, like, that moderately, like, cool level head. And you can't get mad at him. You can't get mad at the guy. You're never mad at him. And, and I'm sure there's some, I know there's some people in New York that are mad at Larry for taking on this, this ballot access drive himself because the party there was like it basically said it was insurmountable and it's going to be a waste of money but i don't believe that i believe if larry is at the helm there's a chance that they could happen okay and if i help larry if he needs my help i'm sure we can get it okay but um man could you imagine smith sharp dude all access in new york that's would be epic could you imagine smith sharp though let's just awesome dude that would be I, it's either him or Woody, Woody Harrelson. Those are going to be those are the only two people I will accept right now. But, <laughs> but uh, if you watch the show, if you listen to the show, start tagging Larry Sharp, telling him that you want him to run for vice president with Joshua Smith, so that we can get that Smith Sharp 2024 uh, campaign going, and uh, we can knock the socks off uh, the the uh, Uniparty man because we we will do the damage together. There's no doubt about it. I guarantee you that man. And it'd be good for him because he don't you know that's the thing people don't understand. Like the presidential candidate has to do everything. You have to do it all. You have to go to every media event. You have to travel the country. You have to go to all the states. You got to get in the bus with your family and go show up for picture days. The vice president gets to pick and choose what he wants to do, right? And so Larry will take on some of these bigger media events that he can do and really just go knock it out of the park, man. It'd be a lot of fun, me and him, for sure. Uh, guys, if you support the campaign, you can always go to joshuasmith2024.com. Drop us some money. We are doing a, a money bomb, huge fundraising drive right now. We've got to get like way over what we've raised now because we got a lot of travel coming up. In fact, we still got a book Maine two weeks from now. So uh, if you can help out, please go help us out. Five, 10, 20, 30, 40 bucks a month. Do a monthly, you know, a couple cups of coffee a month, dude. You'll really be helping the, the campaign big time. Uh, we got a lot of big media days coming up. We got a lot of big uh, uh, debates coming up. We are now uh, in January. We've been confirmed for the um, Fair Debates People's Debate the Jimmy Dore hosted debate. Um, cool. We're, we're, we're not confirmed for it. We're confirmed for the ballot to get into that debate. That comes out in January. Um, so we want to build a huge national footprint before that comes out because that's going to be a national poll and the top, I think it's the top 10 or top five candidates in the national poll end up in that debate. So we definitely want to be on. That's a debate we definitely want to be in. That will be a nationally syndicated debate for uh, everybody who's not on the on the main stage debates right now. And that will give us a, a much bigger national footprint afterwards to start trying to get into the general debates uh, in, in 2024. Uh, guys, I love you. Yeah. You got anything? You got anything, AJ, before we go? Uh, follow me on Twitter slash X. Uh, poison underscore tip. Poison underscore tip.
And uh, if you can, if you can Ramaswamy shit tonight. Yeah, yeah, we were gonna talk about the debates, but Larry had to go, and I, I get it. He usually can only do about an hour at a time, so I didn't even yeah. think about that when they I go on. I asked Larry. I asked Larry at about six forty-five tonight if he wanted to come on the show, and he's like, he's like eight thirty my time. I said, yeah. He said, I'm there. <laughs> That's, Larry loves me, man. Larry loves me. He's. I'm telling you, he's been Good my man. buddy. He's been my buddy for a long time, and I love Larry, dude. Like he's. You know, he's one of those guys that just can basically do no wrong in my eyes, man. He, you know, he he doesn't get every single messaging point right all the time, but man, he sells it better than most people. He really does. I love the guy to death. We'll see you next Thursday. Hey guys, if you're in New York tomorrow, upstate, I will be in uh, Syracuse all night. Um, there's a really cool shindig going on there. Hit me up in uh, any of the DMs if you want to find out the um, uh, details for that, and you <clears throat> you can come to that. It's like open. I think it's a couple bucks or something like that, but. Pretty, it's going to be like a dancing, drinking, eating uh, libertarian party event at a, a libertarian yeah. gala. Yeah, gala. yeah, it's like a gala. Yeah, and then okay. of course Saturday, um, I'll be at the uh, South Carolina uh, state convention where they'll be picking delegates and stuff for the national convention. Of course, there's a debate there on Saturday evening. Is that and in Charleston? Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, yes, nice. sir. And it's uh, and it's. Um, it's going to be a really cool debate. We had to qualify. That's what we had to qualify for. So we had to raise 10 grand and beat a 10 States. And, uh, there were some other qualifications Had to have an actual campaign team and be filed and all that stuff. So <clears throat> it's it, two economists from an economist, uh, podcast will be hosting that debate. So it's going to be interesting. Nope. Of course, the weekend after that will be in a banger main for a fun debate there as well, or candidate day or something. <laughs> So that'd be fun, but uh, we'll see you next Thursday for another episode of Break the Cycle with another great guest. Until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame, but I just spent it in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just spent it in Minecraft Well, Timber is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just spent it in Minecraft Obviously, I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse in my